the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everyone. I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 75 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including an analysis of two key rulings that the Supreme Court made in 2022 that will have an effect on kids in public schools. That's right, George. You know, POK has been watching very closely two SCOTUS cases, the Supreme Court, which have been ruled in our favor. Very exciting cases. Of course, the famous uh, one overturning Roe v. Wade, which is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. But there's another one, George, uh, mm-hmm. that's very important as well, and that's Carson versus Macon. But while we're rejoicing over theirs with these, and we're going to get into details, we can't get too comfortable or complacent because there's still a lot of work ahead of us. There is. And um, parents might be scratching their heads like, how in the world do these two cases uh, affect public schools? Because one is directly related to schools. The other one is not. Um, so we don't necessarily want to get into all the details of the ruling but we want to show you how they will have an impact on on public schools. So let's just do a brief introduction to each case. So Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. This is a case out of Mississippi that was actually challenging the Mississippi's Gestational Age Act. And this modest law basically was protecting the health of pregnant mothers the dignity of unborn children, and the integrity of the medical profession by limiting abortions after 15 weeks in gestational age, permitting them only in medical emergencies or for severe fatal abnormality. So basically, in the simplest of terms, this is the law that ended up going all the way to the Supreme Court to be challenged, and it overturned Roe versus Wade, um, after about 49 years of that, yeah. that uh, law being into effect. That's right. Um, and so when we talk about Dobbs and how it overturned Roe and what does that mean, first of all, from a pro-life movement, it just means that now the battle has moved from the federal government to state governments. Yeah, this is an important distinction to point out. So what's critical to understand is that what Dobbs did in overruling Roe was the federal government now said, the Supreme Court now said that there is no constitutional support for abortion. You will not find it in the Constitution. Yep. Even going back to Blacksman's decision in Roe, you know, and, and the um, – tortured analysis that they tried to use to justify abortion. Finally, George, after 49 years, uh, the Supreme Court says, no, there there is no constitutional support whatsoever. That doesn't mean abortion is going away. It just means, as it happened before 1973, that now the states are in a position to decide their abortion policy. Exactly. So now we have to fight this abortion battle in each of the 50 states. 
Um, so let's introduce the next case, and then we'll go down to what this means for kids in education. Um, so Carson versus Macon. This comes out of uh, the state of Maine. So the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Carson, Carson versus Macon that the state of Maine cannot exclude students who attend religious schools from a government program in which they are otherwise qualified. So what was Maine doing? They were prohibiting families from using funds from a state tuition program that was designed for students who don't have access to local public schools that can be used at private schools, but not private religious schools that incorporated a curricular of faith perspective. Yeah, I mean, this is actually a really important case from yes. the Supreme Court. Um, it it overruled a longstanding prior case called uh, the Lemon. You learn about it in law school uh, as, as a first year law student, the, the Lemon Test, which said that uh, basically because of, quote, separation of church and state, government can't have any entanglements whatsoever with religious institutions. In fact, this term, separation of church and state, has been used like kryptonite, you know, against <laughs> any uh, government funding of, of private uh, religious institutions. Well, this case, George, um, focused solely on the free exercise clause of the United States Constitution and said, no, uh, you cannot discriminate government um, with public funds that are being provided for a, you know educational purposes just because there's a religious institution that is in all other ways equal, if not better than the public institution, just because they're religious, you cannot discriminate against them. Correct. And, and what I've learned through this case, you know, is that obviously growing up in a very uh, huge metropolitan area, right? You don't think about these situations, but there are a lot of states that have a lot of rural areas to them yeah. that do not have public schools. It's just like financially impractical. And that was the case in May. And that was the case in Maine. That's the case in Vermont and New Hampshire and so many other states. Um, and so the state basically just has to go through this you know, voucher program right. um, and then allow parents to figure out how they're going to get their children educated. Um, so typically the what is the case is, well, there's usually churches all over the place, and those churches take on that responsibility of educating children in their communities. Um, so basically what would happen is parents would be denied access to that voucher program. That's right. That's right. Um, and so that that's completely unfair. And, and now this ruling, Carses versus Macon, was building upon two other rulings that have taken place over the last five to six years. Yeah. Um, back in 2020, Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue, and back in 2017, Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia versus Comer. And in both of these, there was a very nice buildup of how the the court ruled that the state may not discriminate against a religious school in awarding grants or funding. Yeah, Espinoza, as I recall, that was about state-based scholarship funds uh, that, that cannot be used to discriminate against uh, religious schools. And uh, Trinity Lutheran was about playground safety funds that were going to improve conditions on the playground. And again, the Supreme Court said, you can't discriminate. Exactly. So let's start off first with the Dobbs decision and see what that means for our kids and for education. 
Um, so what does the overturning of Roe v. Wade have to do with education? Well, guess what? Uh, a lot. Because now those states that are pro-abortion are basically becoming abortion sanctuary states. And California is reacting in a very demonic way to the end of Roe v. Wade. In fact, they saw the writing on the Walmart. They did. And at the end of 2021, they created the Future of Abortion Council. And that council published a report. And that report came out with some findings. And here are some of them. The state must increase investments in abortion funds direct practical support and infrastructure to support patients seeking abortion care. Wow. The state must ensure cost is not a barrier to care reimbursement for abortion and abortion-related services is adequate and timely. The state must invest in a diverse California abortion provider workforce and increase training opportunities. It must reduce administrative and institutional barriers to abortion care. And there's a couple more in there. Well, guess what happens? We were talking about the California Healthy Youth Act, right? So all of that stuff now that is being taught in California today is now going to be taught with a greater sense of urgency. Yeah, Even more funding is going to be given towards organizations that provide, quote-unquote, reproductive health services. And these organizations are going to – we're going to see, and I'm making this prediction – that they will see and be given increased access to students in public schools. Yeah, so this um, this council that you mentioned, the Future of Abortion Council, this was formed and created before Dobbs was decided. Um, so this was in 2021. Dobbs was decided in June of, of this year. So they had been planning for the eventuality that Roe v. Wade could be turned over. Yep. And George, as we both know, uh, California, our legislature here in California is controlled by a supermajority of Democrats. Obviously, we have a very uh, leftist-minded governor, and they want to make California a um, a sanctuary state yep. for everything having to do with abortion and abortion policy. So let's walk parents through my prediction here in the logic. So Next statement I want to make in the logic schema. Abortion money subsidizes sex education. Parents, you heard that right. Abortion money subsidizes sex education. How? Well, the largest abortion provider in the United States is also the largest sex education provider in the United States. Planned Parenthood. Exactly. So Planned Parenthood actually developed back in 2006 the guide to comprehensive sexuality education. They were the ones that thought of this, put it together, and have been pushing it for well over a decade. And so every time the government is paying Planned Parenthood to to provide abortion services, that basically covers their cost to run their programs. And what do they do? Well, all of this other stuff here on the side on providing sex education and they have their trained instructors to go into school districts at a very low cost, at a very low cost to the school districts. How are they able to do that? They're able to do that because abortion 
is subsidizing that other cost. Yeah, that's right. So in California, becoming an abortion sanctuary, and in all other blue states, what we're going to see is that the states are now going to have to come in and pitch in to fund Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics to whatever they are losing in the red states like Idaho and Texas and, and Florida and other places that have laws that have now gone into effect virtually outlawing abortion. Um, so they have to get money from somewhere else. And this is where it's going to come. Now, the third thing in this um, that I want to mention is that California was really the litmus test in the, you know, the basically the, the, the example that they wanted to set for the rest of the nation with the California Healthy Youth Act. They've taken the California Healthy Youth Act and they've modified it now to be the Healthy Youth Act that they are trying to pass at the federal level. Now, with Roe v. Wade out and every state determining what abortion is, well, abortion is a critical and fundamental piece of the Healthy Youth Act. So now that Healthy Youth Act, even if it does pass at the federal level, it's not applicable to those states that have all of these stringent um, you know, uh, laws against abortion. So that means now, and this is a really good thing, that we are making the other side fight much harder because they have to take this Healthy Youth Act, and they will, and parents watch out for this, especially if you're a deep red state, watch out for how the teachers' union are going to recraft the language of the Healthy Youth Act to formulate it in such a way that it can pass in a red state. Yeah, it's what we call the unholy trinity. Teachers unions, Planned Parenthood, and ACLU all working in harmony <clears throat> to pass these laws and to promote these policies. So we have to be on the lookout, parents. Remember, abortion money subsidizes sex education, which is Planned Parenthood. They provide, they have their own CSE curricula. Um, the Healthy Youth Act, which has been making its way through the, the federal legislative process, now has to be tinkered with and tweaked in order for it to apply to states that have outlawed abortion because they can't legally teach that then under you know comprehensive sexuality education. Um, and there are other states, unlike California, that do not have that whole Confidential Medical Services Act that allows children from 12 to 17 to you know, go and do whatever they want to do with their bodies without notification of parents. So what we're going to see in all of these deep red states is that the culture of death is going to try to come in in some way, shape, or form through these tweaked Healthy Youth Acts. So parents, please be on the lookout. So that's my prediction, Mark. I predict that in the next 12 months, the teachers' union with Planned Parenthood and the ACLU are going to come out with tweaked versions of the Healthy Youth Act. Uh, I'm not going to bet against it, George. I'm not going to bet against it. So let's uh, let's talk about Carson v. Macon. Obviously, this is a huge win for our children in education. And as we both know and as we're both proponents of, uh, many states are talking more and more about school choice and voucher programs, which was the subject of Carson v. Macon, which, again, uh, this case said you can't discriminate uh, when these funds are available against parents um, that want to use those to send their kids to a private religious school. So, George, what is now the threat or um, what's the problem with this in, in states? 
So Carson versus Macon is huge because it it really establishes this principle that yes, we can use public funds for private school education, even if that education is religious in nature. Now, I want to go through two great examples and success stories for parents. One is out of West Virginia. One is out of the state of Arizona. And also bring to your attention on how the teachers union are fighting back against these huge success stories. So West Virginia, back in 2021, the the state legislature created this HOPE scholarship program, which is an education savings account. And and as opposed to being like very clear cut that, okay, from now on, every single uh, student in uh, K through 12 in the state of West Virginia has access to whatever state formula funds are, are applied to their public education system. They created all of these, you know, uh, conditions that, okay, where it's going to be allowable only for K- kindergarten students. So if your child is starting kindergarten, so basically entering into the public education system for the first time, uh, then you're allowed access to these funds. If you are currently already enrolled in public schools uh, or not, and you're a first grader through 12th grader, you have to enroll yourself into a public school for 45 days first. And if you as a parent then deem that it's not meeting your child's needs, then you can apply for these funds. And even if you want to apply, there's a quota, there's a limit. And that means the limit was if any school district reaches 5%, of applicants to this HOPE scholarship of 5% of the total school district population, then they have to max it out at that. So even though they're recognizing the parent demand for educational savings accounts, they're putting up speed bump after speed bump to try to slow slow this movement down. Correct. Now, who's putting up these speed bumps? Well, it's the teachers' union. Mm-hmm. And even after acquiescing to all those speed bumps to get this legislation passed, guess what happened? The teachers union is now suing the state of West Virginia and the first, uh, you know, judge that's dealing with this case now has actually provided a, an injunction to this law, meaning that it cannot be placed into effect until the court makes a decision on this. Um, And so this Hope Scholarship was going to give $4,600, which is basically the state um, um, provisions within the whole uh, formula of public school education uh, amount per pupil, right? And it was going to give them to parents. But yet, even with all these restrictions, the teachers' unions fighting against it. Carson v. Macon gives parents... In the state of West Virginia, I think the um, the peace that they deserve, that they're actually going to prevail in court. Yeah, the law is definitely on their side. But, George, this reminds me of the, of the old adage, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And so, parents, you have rights, and the Supreme Court is on your side, uh, but you have to pursue those rights. Correct. You have to enforce those rights. So... Uh, George, you mentioned that this is currently being litigated in West Virginia. Hopefully, they're going to get a good outcome there. I'm I'm expecting any day now probably to hear about it because Carson v. Macon now changes yeah. this whole dynamic. 
Now, here's another piece of good news. Arizona. And if we thought West Virginia was good news, it wasn't as good as could be because of all those speed bumps, right, that we talked about in the Mm. criteria. Arizona actually has come out with the truest form of school choice. And, Mark, I have to say that it's a double piece of good news for me because this bill, HB 2853, was sponsored by the House Majority Leader in uh, in the state of California. His name is Ben Thoma. He is a fellow Romanian. <laughs> I love it. Yes. And you pronounced his name correctly. I was just going to say Toma. <laughs> you put that emphasis on it. And uh, Ben has been a fearless warrior and fighter for parental rights in Arizona. Um, and basically, this law ensures that all 1.1 million Arizona K-12 students are now eligible for scholarship funds that meets the needs of their their unique family situation. So now every Arizona family will be receiving $6,500 per child per school year to go wherever they need to take their children. Such wonderful news. And and then on top of that, not only was I so happy to see that a Romanian is out there in the forefront of this battle... (laughs) But, Mark, you and I have been talking to pastors and churches all over. We have. And when Governor Ducey released his public statement on his own governor's website, he actually quoted a pastor. And I want to read what this pastor was saying. Please do. He, this is, he says, Our kids have been crying out for better schools to be open to them, said Drew Anderson, senior pastor of First Watch Ministries and the Legacy Christian Center in South Phoenix. Today, we said enough is enough. We broke open those doors and saved our children. As a pastor, I've seen too many of our black and brown children struggling, going to fast food restaurants just to connect to Wi-Fi or just looking for some guidance on homework. I'm grateful to Governor Ducey and the legislator for putting our kids first by expanding the Empowerment Scholarship Account Program. We avoided a crisis for our children, and help them achieve greatness. Oh, what a wonderful statement and testimony. So parents, when we fight, we will win. And Carson v. Macon now, even though the teachers union has tried to put up a lawsuit against this in Arizona, they failed. And just the other day, I saw the the official announcement that parents, you can now access the that ESA, those ESA funds, that $6,500 immediately in the state of California. And George, yeah, if it can happen in Arizona, why can't it happen in California? Now, we failed to get enough signatures for the California School Choice Initiative this year in 2022, but it's coming back in a couple of years from now, bigger and better, and hopefully with a lot more resources behind it. So parents, stay alert, stay in tune, um, seek out more information on this and get behind it. We're just about out of time here, but we want to remind you, please visit our website, protectourkidsnow.org. Uh, tell others about the resources that we have available, our brochures, our many videos that uh, you can access. You can download our How to Start a Private School Guide uh, that is uh, on the Pastors tab. And if you'd like either George or I or both of us together to speak at an event that you have, uh, you can do that uh, by pressing the button on the front page of our website. Well, George, that's all the time we have for today. Until next time, see you later, parents. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.